podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This game had to be stopped to save the players' lives. There was a helicopter, rifles equipped with tranquilizer darts and thermal imaging cameras. The reason was to stop the players and other locals from being attacked by a white tiger. This is not about the Bangladesh cricket team, neither is it about Ernest Smith, Bill O'Reilly, Mansur Ali Khan Patuti, Herbert Lance, or Shivnarayan Chandra Ball, men who all earn different tigrine nicknames. This is a far, far more serious incident. The Southern Electric Premier Cricket League Division 1 is not a keenly followed tournament. However, a 2011 fixture between Hampshire Cricket Academy and South Wilts at the Rose Bowl Nursery Ground certainly made news. Of course, it's not called the Rose Bowl anymore. It's called the Aegeus Bowl. Or Actually, I have no idea what the current name of it is. It's the Bowl in Southampton, kind of near Southampton. There was nothing actually spectacular about the match itself, though it was headed for a close finish. Hampshire Cricket Academy were bowled out for 256, but reduced South Wilts to 143 for six, and then Adam Young hit his way to a 28-ball 44 before departing. At one point, South Wilts needed 27 runs in 43 balls with three wickets in hand. With their number three, Eddie Abel, guiding the side with an 80, they were probably slightly ahead in the game. But one of the spectators was equipped with a reasonably serious camera, and he was shooting at a nearby county golf club where he spotted a white tiger at about four in the afternoon. You can't blame him for hollering in panic. The odds of a stray white tiger at large in Hampshire are admittedly very low. But big cats can have that sort of impact on people, and of course they have been known to be used by rich people as pets occasionally, and then, you know, they get out. Not to mention just zoos and circuses and anyone else who might own a white tiger. You can imagine that all hell broke loose as the news spread. The cricketers obviously rushed back to the pavilion, but in the same venue, the golfers were also escorted to safety and all the authorities had to be informed. Now all they had to do was stop the tiger. This is Double Century, the podcast on the history of cricket. This season, we wanted to visit some of the weirdest stories in our game. Cricket has a unique ability to melt itself into cultures, even outside of sport, and produce wild tales. So this season will include theatre, sausages, dogs, and perhaps the most famous disability match ever played. This episode, we talk about tigers and gravy. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hearing that a giant predator cat was on the loose, the police took prompt action. The Marwell Zoo was called for advice. A substantial unit rushed to the scene with their helicopter, trank darts, thermal imaging cameras, and ways to transport the tiger as quickly as possible to somewhere safe. 
And they had already double-checked as well with CCTV cameras and also the helicopter to make sure the tiger was, in fact, there. The only thing was that the thermal imaging cameras didn't pick up any body heat. After a brief stalk through the hedge-end savannah, the officer realised that the tiger was not moving, and the air support using the cameras realised there was a lack of heat source, is what the police spokesman actually told the BBC. So what kind of tiger, white or otherwise, existed but did not emit body heat? The police had no option but to advance on this animal. And it was not until they got very, very close did they realise that they were approaching a stuffed toy, albeit a life-size stuffed toy. Of all the interruptions in cricket, this certainly ranks as one of the most bizarre. And even when they went back and re-looked at the CCTV footage to see what they had done wrong, they still actually thought that it looked very much like a real tiger at that point. As for the match, half an hour's play was lost, and that meant that South Wilts won on the factored run rate. The White Tiger was clearly a South Wilts fan. And I know what you're thinking. This is a terribly stupid reason to stop a cricket match and go to factored run rate. But there is another game which is actually far more famous with many more higher-ranking players that is worth mentioning that was stopped for pretty much as stupid a reason. And we should point out that over the years, cricket matches have been stopped by earthquakes, snakes, stoats, penguins, fried calamari, solar eclipses, lost balls, riots, pitch invasions, sandstorms, and streakers, of course. And that's just the ones that we're caring to mention now. But the Toy Tiger, that's a whole different level. But this other game definitely deserves a mention as well. It was a first-class game at Old Trafford where Lancashire were playing, and the hosts had piled up runs despite the usual Manchester gloom after Stuart Law had decided to bat. Ian Sutcliffe and Paul Horton sort of off the new ball attack of Yasser Arafat and Andrew Hall, and they added 71 in an hour and a half before Simon Cook struck. Sutcliffe and Malloy saw them off until stumps, finishing on 164 for one. Kent's Ryan McLaren removed Sutcliffe early on day two, which brought in Brad Hodge to the crease. He immediately took control of the situation and carved 156 not out in 200 balls. His 100 came up of 132 with 14 fours and a six. There was support at the other end from Loy and Law and a few lusty blows later on from Dominic Cork before Law finally declared the innings close for 451 for five. Kent had time to reach close, 14 without loss. The following day, Jimmy Anderson claimed two early wickets. And even though Dominic Cork broke down and was ruled out of the rest of the match, he had already dismissed Matt Walker and Joe Denley before he left. Lancashire also had Mitchaya Murley Durant, who at this stage took over. And it was only Kent's Garrett Jones who stood amongst the rooms, and he was trying to help them reach the 302 run mark, which was to avoid the follow on. Unfortunately, Kent was eventually bowled out for 272. And again, they finished the day, this time on seven runs, without loss. In that first innings, Murley took four for 73. There was actually always a bit of a danger in this game of Anderson being called up for England. And so Oliver Newby was kept ready just in case that was going to happen. And as Cork was injured, Tom Smith took Denley while Anderson removed Rob Key. Kent were left reeling at 58 for three when Murley snared Walker. They still required 121 just to save the innings defeat. Kent was in all sorts of trouble at lunch, three wickets down with Martin Van Yarsveld and Darren Stevens holding the fort. Play did resume after lunch, and Stevens and Van Yarsveld were still trying to pull Kent out of danger when there was a commotion in the dressing room. The bemused fielders and Kent batters saw the pavilion being completely evacuated. Play obviously came to a halt, and no one actually knew why that was the case. 
Then there were two fire engines rushing to the ground within minutes. By then, the news had got out that there had been smoke in the pavilion. Was there a fire as well? Who could tell? They watched as firemen rushed into the pavilion. Lancashire was already worried about losing time because of rain, and now they had, what, a smoke break, a fire break? They didn't even know. All they knew was that Kent had two experienced batters at the crease, and now there was some kind of commotion that was going to cause a delay of some time. And of course, it could have been very serious, so people were a little bit worried. But the culprit turned out to be a pot of overcooked gravy. The brown gooey substance had burnt, and the smoke had set off the fire alarm. And play was held up for quite some time. And this was not even the first time that the fire engines had rushed to Old Trafford during a match. As a fire officer had said that not that long earlier, a cricketer had burnt his toast in the dressing room. At this point, Kent thought that they had managed to cook up a draw. And instead, they went from the frying pan back to the furnace as when play resumed, Murali smoked them in no time. He finished with four for 72. Gary Keady took two quick wickets as well with his left arm spin. And Kent, after being 158 for three, found themselves completely drowned by the gravy and were bowled out for 190. Eventually, Lancashire would only have to go out and chase 12, which they did losing two wickets somehow. It's hard to tell how much the gravy actually affected Kent's mood, but they were certainly in a much better position before the fire department came to the ground. And even though eventually everyone would have relaxed, it's not the kind of distraction that two experienced batters like Stephen and Van Yarsvel would have been used to. But I suppose I leave it to you to work out which was the more stupid. The white tiger that was clearly a stuffed toy, or the gravy that ended up with two fire engines coming to Old Trafford. Either way, the White Tiger and the Gravy certainly had their say in the results of these cricket matches. Thanks for listening to Double Century. This podcast was made entirely possible by our supporters at Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Podcast Network.